Get a friend. Get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio. It's enough to make you go crazy. Oh, it's enough to make you mad. Well, welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I am your host, Jake Counts, coming to you somewhere from Georgia. It is, actually, this is going to be airing on Sunday, the 26th, but... Currently, it is the 25th of October, 20, 2014. Good God, I almost said 2016. I want to jump ahead, I guess. And I'll be live here for the next hour. Joining me a little bit later on in the show will be Josh Wiley of OneStepBeyond.me, the research collective that we started together. And Josh has started his endeavor, and we'll get a little update on that. And um, let me, I guess, update you guys on where I've been. I'm sorry it's been... You know, over a month since I've um, recorded a show, but um, I've come to a new conclusion than that is anything in life that you believe is going to take X amount of time, that you should usually take whatever X amount of time is, um, especially if you have a kid, by the way, uh, triple that time frame, and then whatever that number is, double that one. And then you will probably have somewhere close to the time frame that you should originally project. I thought I was going to be back on the air two weeks ago. Didn't happen. It was actually kind of cleansing, too, because I not only did not do a podcast, but I kind of cut myself away from a lot of the minutiae that becomes, um, I guess, one being involved in alternative thinking or alternative uh, media, so to speak. Because we do get bogged down. We, we run in cycles just like the mainstream media where we start um, becoming one with this narrative. And um, it was nice to kind of get away from the narrative, um, look at myself, do some self-evaluation, do some more reading, which is always good. Uh, Josh gave me a couple of books to read, one of which I am almost done with. So um, thank you, Josh, for that. And um, it's just been a really interesting ride. If anybody's got a kid, um, you know what it's like moving from one house to another. And so now my wife and I have isolated ourselves some, somewhat uh, out in the country. And it um, I have to say it feels fantastic to not be in somewhat of a concrete jungle. So on the show today, we will be talking with Josh Wiley. We'll be talking about Ebola. We'll be talking about some of the interesting perspectives that we should probably consider when we're talking about this Ebola outbreak, as well as, um, you know, some mainstream media stuff. But um, overall, we're just going to, just like every show that I do, you know, after a month or so off, I got to kind of get my feet back underneath me. So you guys just bear with me. Um, We're going to talk about a lot of things. We'll probably be all over the map, but it should be entertaining uh, nonetheless. And like we said, you're always going to laugh at least once or twice on the show and Hopefully you'll take some tidbits of knowledge away, or if you don't take any tidbits of knowledge away, at least we'll get you to question some of your predetermined dispositions or predetermined ideas that you had before you began listening to this podcast. That's what it's all about, and it's all about clearing our minds of the hogwash that we learned in our 15,000 hours of um, governmental brainwashing. If you're like myself and went to a public, uh, and you were a publicly educated human being, then we kind of got to decode some of that stuff and and dial it back and really look at um, some of the reasons that we that we make decisions that we do and some of the reasons that we follow certain trends and some of the reasons that we will 
typically let the state make decisions for us, like what we'll get into later on in the uh, in the show about this Ebola. So uh, now that we've gotten all of the proverbial hellos and everything out of the way, um, hopefully you guys are still listening. I know you are. And thanks again for making uh, my podcast pretty popular. Even though I've been gone, I'm still getting lots and lots of downloads, which is great because that means that you guys are either sharing the information or liking the information or um, passing it along to others. So we do appreciate it. I appreciate it. Because it's not just me, it's not just Jake is not cattle, it's not just Josh is not cattle. We all have to have this mindset that we're individuals first, and then we move into a societal uh, realm once we step outside the door. You know, as I always say, socialism works great at home, and that's why people buy into it, because it works great in your family life, because it's a controlled, small environment, and everybody's usually working towards the same goals, and that's to keep the family united keep the family um, strong financially and being able to have the luxuries of doing certain things. Well, when you move that into a larger scale of society, typically doesn't work out because you get um, psychopaths or sociopaths, or as Josh likes to call them, secondary psychopaths, that um, that will typically use that gratitude or that um, bleeding heart liberal, so to speak, and I hate to use that because uh, I hate putting people in categories, but um, it gives everybody a decent reference point. Somebody that has an overwhelming urge to help other human beings, it really puts you at a severe disadvantage when you have people that can actually fake entropy and can fake emotion. Uh, that puts you at a severe disadvantage. And unfortunately, um, as documented in Carol Quigley's book, among others, we are run by psychopaths and sociopaths, typically at the top. So um, that being said, um, I will bring in uh, my my guest for the show, um, typically a, a good guest and is always on, I would say, pretty frequently on this show, uh, Josh Wiley of OneStepBeyond.me. Josh, uh, thank you so much for coming on and being a part of the show, as always. Well, Jake, thanks for thanks so much for having me, as always. Uh we're both uh, a little bit tuckered out, ha- having kind of experienced uh, some jarring changes in life that have kind of knocked us off of our regularly scheduled alternative media production. But uh, it's it's good to be back in the swing of things. Absolutely. So, um, give us a brief rundown of what um, what you've been going through. You were really trying to push the um, the agorist um, slash uh, counter economic um, lifestyle here. So. Um, and and as you saw, I just kind of pulled that from the book that you gave me. So, uh, explain to people what um, what you're doing, uh, what kind of progress you're making, and um, and just to let people know that are trying the same things that you are that the they're not alone out there. Oh sure, uh, I've just been really uh, active uh, after uh, a recent property acquisition in trying to get essentially an off grid homestead started up and uh, trying to let network with uh, local communities to. To, to try and build kind of alternative infrastructure around that, uh, solely because uh, you know you see a lot of people that are now coming to uh, ideals like uh, agorism or anarcho-capitalism, uh, and I don't know if I would call myself uh, either of those things. That's part of what this experiment is about: is um, you know not being half-hearted about it and not being an ideologue, um, but putting these things into practice to see if they're actually pragmatic or not. Um, you know, because ultimately, you know, uh, if uh, the, if the most die-hard fanatics of these beliefs aren't actually going to implement them in full, you know, if your if your life is uh, 
kind of a, a tacit acceptance of corporatism because it heats your house, but hey, you use Bitcoin, so um, maybe you're good. I don't know. Uh, that that's not going to cut it, folks. Uh, in fact, it's um, it's uh, yeah, it is. It's a it's a half-hearted attempt at a very big idea. So I'm I guess I'm trying to, uh, as Henry David Thoreau said, to make my life uh, a, a counter friction against the machine. How dare you quote Thoreau? I mean, we made, we didn't even make it ten minutes in, and you're already quoting, you know, obviously um, intellectual terrorists. So, <laughs> well, anyway, um, to give you guys the other side of the coin, um, like Josh and I have had conversations many, many times, and um, and it, and it, a lot of it stems around um, what where his life is and where my life is, and in certain situations, like he was talking about. Um, we are we are restrained and kind of constrained to the machine because of our given situation. Doesn't mean that we have to tacitly accept it, like he said. Doesn't mean that you don't push against it. Doesn't mean that you don't um, speak out against it. Doesn't mean that you don't practice against it. It just means that um, there are some people that are actually allotted the ability to push back against the machine a little bit further. And not endanger anyone else or drag anyone else. Uh, I guess drag is a, is a very bad term right there. But to move somebody else out of their current situation into a situation with you that would require a, a an entire lifestyle change. So, you know, we've had Josh about um, your situation, my situation, how we both kind of push against the machine. And I think it's very interesting. What you and I talked about the other night when we're talking about the machine, let's talk about how this Ebola, before we get into the actual, you know, the crux of the of the situation or the topic, let's talk about the way that the off-mainstream media or the alternative, quote, media has reacted to uh, this Ebola scare, outbreak, whatever you want to call it. And uh, you and I were both kind of in the same realm where where it was it was widely accepted that Ebola was here and that um you know it's it's come to the United States and now you know now everybody you know duck and cover and and you know shake and fear under your tables and the alternative media is also feeding that frenzy they're feeding it because it pushes ratings because it gets people to tune in i mean that's because it sells silver Correct. super male vitality dna force injections i don't know right but you know <laughs> on, a, on a different level if you think about it like i always will revert back to conversations that i've had with people that are you know real you know hardcore journalists like like when i talked to ben swan and what he what he talked about and how how they would structure media programs just given what's going to be uh you know top of mind in the in the 19 um 1980s he said that you know if it bleeds it leads so it was like you know every time you turned on the news the very leading story was always you know uh, murder or you know some kind of beating or something like that or um some kind of trial going on and then it moved from that to to weather was a big deal if there was any kind of severe weather in the area or in in um or around the united states then that usually took the lead story and now that we have the ebola scare because let's face it guys at this point it is a scare yeah it, it is something to to keep in the back of your mind it is something to be to be wary of it is something to 
you know, not hide under a table and shake in fear and go out. And, I mean, I guess you can go out and get hazmat gear if you want. I've already got some. So, I mean, it's really up to you. That's kind of part and partial to being prepared. But I think it's really interesting to watch how everybody that's in the alternative press that talks about how the mainstream media does X, Y, and Z, but then at the end of the day, when it all gets down to brass tacks of ratings and downloads and all this other stuff, you guys all pander to the same you, – you all play the same tune, it, or at least it, at least in my eyes, it's the same tune. It's it's not questioning the narrative. It's not questioning the Ebola. It's not questioning the backdrop behind these countries where this Ebola is coming from. It's none of that. It's just Ebola's here. Everybody get ready and, and brace for impact, and then the state's going to protect you. And then I've seen people that are that are anti – that are anti-state say, well, you know, the CDC should probably should probably you know step in at some point. At, at some point, everyone, you know, government can't save everyone, and you know that at the end of the day, when it comes down to when it comes down to population, and when it comes down to the overwhelming fact that we could have a a pandemic, so to speak, if um, if some people are talking about this thing going airborne in the winter time. And, you know, I've seen a little bit of evidence to substantiate that, but nothing, you know, nothing credible from from what I could, I would say, believable, but not too. But um, I just think that, Josh, I think we're all jumping the shark here, and I, I'm kind of disappointed in the in the alternative media um, and their reaction to this situation. I know it's something that we have to cover, but um, but the backstory behind this just seems to get missed by everyone. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm incredibly disappointed about it. And actually, I was on Journalistic Revolution this past Sunday, I believe. Uh, you know, when we were talking about this, uh, what, I, I don't mean to be too much of a contrarian here, but I believe is a completely and utterly, at this point, fabricated narrative. Uh, you know, and I guess may- maybe that's going a little bit further than what you're going, Jake. Um, well, I mean, let's let's think about this because if we're going to be if we're going to be real, if you're going to be a real journalist, you have to look at all angles. You can't just well, if you're going to be a real journalist, you have to have evidence uh, for which there, there is go. none. So right, no, no, no. Well, <laughs> that, that's that should be your first uh, red alarm going out there. Correct. But. All right, so let's just take it. Let's take it this way. So let's let's approach it with an open mind, and and uh, yeah, we can even put our um, if you guys want to call us conspiracy theorists, you can put on a tinfoil hat for this one. But what we're saying is, look at some of the evidence that's already given, some of the backdrop of some of these countries, and then you know make your own decision. Don't listen to what Josh says. Don't listen to what I say. You know, formulate your own opinion. But also, like what Josh said, go on information, go on facts, go on evidence. And so um, let's take it. Let's take it from the top. All right, before Ted gets here, um, and I actually shortened his name to Ted because I think it's it's kind of, um, I think it will be. You know, people love acronyms, man. So eventually, he will just be known as, or Patient Zero will be known as Ted here in America. You, I don't think we'll ever really, you know, hear his name again. But anyway, long Ted, story. Name- Five times All right, before so they let, finally yeah. settled on Thomas Eric Duncan. Right. Okay. So, so let's take it from the top. First of all, um, I can't remember if it was. I, I get him conflated. If it was Sierra Leone or if it was um, 
Oh my gosh, the uh, one of the other one of the other countries in West Africa. I know that Sierra, Guinea, Liberia, uh, Guinea. Nigeria. I think it was Liberia. One, I think it was was Liberia the one that had the the diamond mine, or was that the gold mine in Liberia, or is that Sierra Leone? I'm getting Sierra Leone uh, has uh, is the world's largest diamond producer. There we yes. go. Okay, so well, was the world's largest. Gee, and just imagine that something just kind of happened over there. So, so they're producing diamonds. Who are they producing diamonds for? So let's run. Let's run it down from um, from you know from stem to stern here. So, who are they producing diamonds for? Who who benefits from from the diamond production in Sierra Leone? Well, uh, that'd probably be the only diamond production company on the face of the planet uh, in De Beers. <laughs> okay, and typically we would see De Beers um, wrapped up with the Anglo-American establishment, seeing as though they are one of the people that put out the um, or a derivative of the um, the um, Rhodesian Roundtable or the uh, the Milner Group. So they are part of this um, larger Anglo um, Anglophile, I guess, if you would, um, reach or establishment. So. So that's so that's in play. We have a diamond mine in play owned by um, a bunch of white people. Okay, mm. and then British um, Freemasons founded by the Rothschilds. Yeah, there, there we go. So if we want to get technical, I was trying to keep it simple <laughs> for the audience, but we're just going to go down that rabbit hole. That's fine. All right. So uh, the next up is uh, Liberia. They have the is it Liberia or Guinea or um, that has the um, the oil reserves. Uh, that is uh, Sierra Leone uh, offshore, uh, as well as Nigeria. Uh, Nigeria has had uh, oil reserves that have been known about for quite some time. Now, I thought uh, that most we, of these countries all – I thought if most, if not all, of these countries had some kind of stake in the oil market. Was I, was I incorrect? Oh, most certainly. Uh, I guess the, the Nigerian and Sierra Leone examples are um, – both worthy of investigation of the listeners. Uh, in, in Nigeria, simply because uh, if people will remember, it was in 2011 or 2012 that the Anglo-American establishment tried to foment a false crisis in um, the Boko Haram uh, affair, uh, where there was this supposedly, uh, you know, it, well, what turned out to be an invented terrorist group, or at least a terrorist group that was far smaller than uh, than it was made out to be. And that, that was the one on. that was abducting the girls, so that to was, speak, Yeah, right? ab- abducting girls who, uh, it turned out there were no abducted girls. And, of course, uh, you know, global support for, for that campaign, for the military campaign there, fell through the floor. Uh, in Sierra Leone, you have a different uh, kind of dynamic where there are large uh, offshore oil discoveries that have recently been made. Uh, what, what's really interesting about those discoveries, Jake, is uh, who tied up uh, the, those contracts? And uh, interestingly enough, it was not the American, uh, the Anglo-American establishment. Gee, wait, 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 was, wait, wait, wait for it, everybody. Wait for it. All right, go ahead. <laughs> it was Lucas, second only to Gazprom, Gazprom, I guess with a Z, as the largest uh, energy production company, second largest energy production company in, in Russia. Uh, so hmm. certainly. Uh, uh, if if you are to believe some people opposite of of the Anglo American power block, so let let me get this straight, so we can slow motion this for everybody. So we have um, we have diamonds, in, um, Sierra Leone. We have um, other oil commodities all spread out the region. Uh, one of those um, going to a large oil player in Russia, 
who is already being stretched from an energy perspective over in the Ukraine where they were trying to get their gas pipeline out of there. So it does seem like a Cold War-esque move, but we're moving towards – uh, we're moving towards minerals and raw materials rather than trying to build bigger and bigger bombs. Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, it's full spectrum resource domination in, in this case. The interesting thing, Jake, about about those diamond mines in Sierra Leone, because there's also a, a lot of illicit diamond mining uh, in in Liberia as well, mm -hmm. uh, done not by the Anglo-American establishment, and we can get into that a little bit later. Sure, um, but. But those diamond mines in Sierra Leone, uh, as of this year, uh, have been shut down due to massive protests of uh, from you know horrific working conditions. Imagine uh, that. Yeah, of, of the diamond miners themselves. Uh, so, and now of course there are three hundred or three excuse me three thousand troops uh, on the ground. Uh, well, was, there to facilitate something. <laughs> I was going to get to that. So, you know, we do have a little bit of backdrop on the region there. So now we have these infected people. Um, once again, Josh pointed out to Supposedly me, infected people. Yep, Josh pointed this out to me a couple of weeks ago in that um, he has not found um, an extensive research on the Internet. He has not found any pictures or um, any videos of people, you know, bleeding profusely and all of these other things that are typically tied with Ebola. And then you have the 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 newspaper, the local is it the Sierra Leone newspaper? It was a, Li it was a Liberian press, correct? Yeah, the the Liberian Daily Observer uh, in Monrovia. Which once again, this is a this is a foreign publication, and we don't know how much. You know how much to put behind this. You know, maybe people that read Infowars and other magazines should probably start looking at news like this as well. Not uh, not singling them out, but um, I have seen their journalistic integrity slide just a little bit. But um, you know, they came out with the idea that this was a a stage crisis. That this was a a fomented stage crisis by by pouring. I don't think it was was it arsenic. Was it arsenic? Formaldehyde. Formaldehyde. Ah. Why didn't they just give them some aspartame? They would have turned into formaldehyde, and then they would have been all right. <laughs> so anyway, sorry. Well, sorry, I got off on a little jag there. But So they poured formaldehyde into a water well, which actually, from what they were saying in the article, and correct me if I'm wrong, Josh, but what they were saying in the article is that it mimics the, the symptoms of Ebola, but nobody was really turning up with Ebola. And the videos that we were seeing online of people – like falling out of um, falling out of ambulances and things like that. It, it it you know you didn't have to tell me. It looked like a it looked like a crisis actor. It looked like Sandy Hook times twenty five, where a guy just just oh the camera pans to him and he just oh I'm gonna fall out of the oh yeah and, and then I'm just gonna crawl and just look sick, and it just it just looked very staged and you know. And the there are multiple instances of this too, Jake. So it's not just it's not just the one, no, no, you know. No. So yeah, and, and it's you know, we all know that C CNN would never fake any kind of news story. They never faked any kind of like bombs incoming or anything like that. That would that's way beneath them. So you know, <laughs> I really do, I really do question what some of the like I said. I would love for this to be a huge conspiracy because then we wouldn't have damn Ebola in the United States. Not that I'm terrified or shaking my boots and I'm going to get it. But, man, that does not sound like a pleasant way to go. Anyway, uh, kind of walking it back a little bit. So now we have we have 
the um, the Liberian uh, press. Once again, we don't know how valid this is, stating that this is a false flag. We have no evidence of anybody other than these videos, with nobody really being sick. It's just people laying around, you know, with no nobody walking around with hazmat gear or anything like that. And and so now we have a case in the United States, and the response by the United States is not to send doctors, is not to send medical facilities, not to send medical appliances. It's to send troops. What are, what are we, what are we sending the troops there for, Josh? That's a that's a very to shoot the Ebola virus. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it, it would seem that you know somewhere between uh, you know illicit Chinese gold mines in in Liberia, uh, massive uh, Chinese uh, iron ore acquisitions in Sierra Leone, uh, Russian Luke oil contracts. Uh, and oil, uh, somewhere in that nexus, uh, meets Ebola and uh, United States troops. I just think it's very interesting that, um, you know, for for the Anglo-American establishment, hypothetically, to launch multiple campaigns in individual countries uh, to fabricate individual reasons to invade uh, would be incredibly difficult. And if it were sure. to be done, it would have to be done over a long period of time. Whereas a, a, a crisis like Ebola that has no borders uh, would seem to justify that military intervention much quicker, as it has. And even though the public is still mainly not paying attention, you have a larger segment of society that actually is paying attention and is becoming geopolitically aware. And so the stage of crises, like um, take, for, take for example um, what happened in Syria a couple of years ago, where we were going to go bomb Assad, and Assad's the bad guy, and we got to go get him, and then you know, the public starts calling Washington, D.C. and says, no, 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 don't do this. And it was like 98% to 2% that they shouldn't do this. So so the people that are playing the roles of the of – the, not the pawns, but like the rooks in the chess game, if you're going to use the grand chessboard analogy, I guess, or the grand chessboard like theme of this uh, Brzezinski-esque um, world order that we're trying to create here, and um, once again, I've read a couple of his books, and it's it's kind of terrifying, and, and but also enlightening because you get to see um, the way that um, the people that really pull the levers of power, the way that they perceive um, nation states, which is odd to me because you never look at a nation state as a, a bunch of individuals on a on a plot of land that that share you know that share a uh, a society together you you lump them all together in like this group that typically uh, revolves around whatever the state does um that being the um the state meaning the government for that nation so it's never typically about the people there or the or the individuals it's always about what the nation state's going to do and how they're going to react and it becomes very cold almost as i'm reading some of these doctor you know documents of his and 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 listening to some of his audiobooks it's really really cold and it's you know i don't put it past these people to do something like this because once again they're not thinking of individuals josh they're thinking of they're thinking of resource domination they're thinking of leverage i mean that's what these people do that's where they spend their time it's like risk assessment leverage and 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 maximizing profit for certain individual equities so that they can be protected uh, on other business deals. And it's like this big web that's interwoven, and, um, and the public just kind of sits along and, and is, um, 
is basically in hardcore mind control, and they have no idea that they're living in an artificial habitat. And it really is. I mean, I hear that liner on Alex Jones all the time, but when you look at the They Live scenario, it really is an artificial habitat, people. Uh, your money is not real. Um, with GMO and all this other processed stuff, your food is becoming less and less real. So what is real? That's why we're questioning this. Is this real? Is it fomented? With the way that propaganda works now and the dissemination and the mockingbird media that we have, this could be, and I hate to say this, this could be a beta test for an actual bioweapon release later on that um, they're just going to test the public to see how, number one, the public's going to react. And as you and I have talked about, Josh, at nauseum, how the alternative media is going to react. And it looks like the alternative media is just going to fall for it, hook, line, and sinker, other than some you know, little blogs here and there that are actually – or message boards that are actually questioning some of these – some of these nefarious events that other people are, you know, other people are just running with and using it to, to profit from. Once again, there's nothing wrong with profit, but if you're going to be the quote unquote, you know, uh, crashing through the lies and disinformation, you probably shouldn't be. Um, you should probably be questioning this stuff a little bit more. Jerome Corsi brought it up on Alex Jones's show um, a couple of weeks ago about all this stuff and all these ties. But ever since then, Alex Jones has not touched it. He's all focused on the narrative, the narrative, the narrative. And like you and I have talked about, Josh, ever since Clear Channel has bought uh, Genesis Communications, you've seen a noticeable difference in the Alex Jones rhetoric. It went from hardcore libertarian and and understanding uh, the danger of the state to, well, maybe the state's not too bad, and if we play patty cake with some of the people in there, if we just get the good people in charge of the guns and everything will be fine. You know, as long as we have good, kind-hearted Christians pointing guns at you and taking your tax money, then everything will be okay. Yeah, John Rappaport is another excellent example of uh, an individual who was on the Alex Jones show kind of questioning the Ebola narrative, at least how it was being uh, ro- rolled out, and has not been seen since uh, the, the real fear-mongering began. And uh, we really do kind of have to uh, broach the, the topic, I think, of, uh, as the Defense Department would say, reality as perception management. Yeah. Uh, and if you're mm-hmm. look, yeah, and if you're looking at a political uh, psychological operation, which Ebola may very well be, uh, I think that there's a significant amount of evidence to suggest that that's the case. If I am not, not- definitely to to see what kind of reaction they're going to get, and whether it's real or fomented. This is a beta test for for mockingbird media. Well, and speaking of the mockingbird, you know, the bird which echoes the calls of others, uh, if you were hypothetically to, as the establishment, control certain sectors of the alternative media, mm-hmm. uh, very vocal and, and, and influential sectors, uh, then it, oh, I'm sorry. Then, then, exactly. Then it wouldn't be very difficult to, uh, to seed a, a single narrative uh, on a deep political uh, agenda and have uh, almost all other blogs universally echo that sentiment. Sure. Uh, again, as you said, with, with only some of the smaller blogs, uh, John Rappaport, um, truthsector.net is another great one that's been covering this with, uh, with a good deal of, uh, of skepticism. Uh, that, but, but again, are, are you know, kind of uh, buried in the tide of, of the InfoWars, Zero Hedge, Natural News, uh, etc., etc. Drudge uh, Report, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just this tide of uh, of Ebola is real, it's coming to get you, uh, which, by the way, is the tagline 
of the propaganda com- campaign currently raging in uh, in Liberia and Sierra Leone. Not uh, Ebola is scary, but Ebola is real. Um, interesting that they would choose uh, that, that that's the struggle that, that they have there right now is con- in con- just solely convincing people that, that an outbreak exists at all, let alone that it's not a way you want to go. Now, here's another thing that I thought was interesting. You brought up the fact that there have been very few people diagnosed in the major cities of these nation states with Ebola. Now, you would think that with as contagious as the the media is making this seem, that um, that that it would have made it populous areas by now, and would start to spread. You know, like what's happening up in New York City. So, to, well, once again, we don't we don't know because he comes with Doctors Without Borders and. Gee, I wonder who they're a front group for, but never mind that. Let's not even approach that subject. Anyway, they're they're notably a CIA subcontractor, guys. Doctors Without Borders is a CIA subcontractor to a very large extent. But not meaning that this guy is CIA, but then again, who knows? I mean, we're we're looking at um we're looking at info that doesn't really match up in a lot of different scenarios, but Anyway, continue, Josh. I didn't mean to kind of derail you. So you were telling me that a couple of weeks ago. Is that still the case that we don't have any um, full-blown Ebola cases in these major metropolitan areas of these uh, developing nation states? Yes, in the capital of Nigeria, in uh, in Monrovia, in many metropolitan areas in Sierra Leone, uh, according to not myself but the BBC, uh, have remained mysteriously Ebola-free. Uh, which which would be curious, given that the you know the the transmission of this disease would would take off in in metropolitan areas. Uh, but uh, you know if that narrative were uh, were squashed at this point by the mainstream or alternative media, mm-hmm. uh, then uh, these supposed Ebola threats that that people are terrified of in places like Dallas or now New York City mm-hmm. uh, would probably seem viscerally terrifying. Uh, therefore, of course. Uh, you know, you you would uh, be far more lax in, for example, getting vaccinated or uh, or, or quarantined or um, uh, in the case of uh, these this kind of where in the world is Ebola San Diego narrative that that's been going on. You know, who have th- these people had contact with for the past 21 days, which has now been extended to to 42 days. Some mm-hmm. people calling for as long as as 80 days for sexual transmission. Um uh, you know the the tracking, the continued tracking um, of, of human society seems to also be a, an agenda with this potential psyop. Yeah, and then we have the so we have one of two. I guess it's one of three scenarios. Either it's a either it's a real disease and there's a there's a cover up, or there's a real disease and government is to handle it. And we're not prepared, or it's a um, it's a simulant, which you know those are the three options I guess that we're toying with here. If you were going to ask me personally what I think at this point, I would say um, number two and possibly number three, or some combination thereof, because we know that number one we know that government's completely inept. Number two. They have quote unquote protocols and stuff in their in their manuals that people never read, and I guarantee you, a, a lot of these people that are working in government facilities or even labs, 
don't read the the necessary protocols to to deal with stuff like this. I mean, just take for instance the the people in in New York City, the cops taking out the supposed bloody bandages and stuff of this Ebola patient uh, out to the trash with no hazmat gear on, none. And where does Ebola reside? It resides in um, the you know feces. It resides in any kind of like our precious bodily fluid. Any kind of bodily fluid. Yeah. So. If it was me and you asked me to take out some Ebola, you best believe that I'm going to look like something that came out of that stupid movie, The Hurt Locker. That's what I'm going to look like. I'm not going to look like some guy that's just about to go on to my uh, to my you know to my second shift out there at two o'clock in the afternoon. So it's either complete governmental ineptus, um, a combination of the two, or or it's a simulant and. And God, if they run a psyop this big, Josh, and once again, I don't put it past people. I mean, shoot, uh, everybody says that, or uh, all the people that I've talked to that, that think that this is real, and I ask them about these certain questions that we have, and they're legitimate questions. They say, "Oh, well, they couldn't put a, they couldn't pull something that big over." Really, they got you into three wars, you know, no problem by lying to you three times, and you guys bought it hook, line, and sinker every time. So that's war. This is over raw materials. Why not? Why why is this any different? Is it because is it because it's a disease getting blown up? Is that it? I mean what what's the difference, Josh? Well with regard specifically to, to the protocol breaches that you mentioned earlier, Jake, with and those the, are, those the, are, the New York cops. I mean that's just in New York. Like the ones in, in, in Dallas just, were ridiculous. Yeah, they, that's just the latest. Uh, the the now infamous clipboard guy walking, uh, you know, Amber Vinson, who supposedly has e- Ebola, with a crew of people in level four or level three uh, uh, hazmat suits uh, onto an airplane, or uh, you know, the the CDC director, you know, waltzing around in uh, in Ted's apartment there in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 you could hypothetically uh, ask the question of is this mass government incompetence? But then you, ha- you also have to factor into that equation that these are individual people that are, that are performing these acts. Sure. Uh, so you would, you would really have to determine at this point that these individuals are either suicidal, all of them, because they know exactly what this disease does to you and are evidently not scared of, of, of that fate befalling them. Or, uh, of course, the, the other alternative, and in my mind far more plausible, uh, that they are fairly confident that they will not get sick uh, fr- from this type of contact because perhaps we are not dealing with Ebola in this instance, uh, we- we- which opens a whole other can of worms, and quite frankly, that could be a three- or four-hour show in and of itself. Yeah, but- <laughs> and, and so, once again, we're just trying to lay out the facts that we know, and then, once again, question it, guys. From the mainstream media, your first inkling should not be accept. I mean, think about it like this. Anytime that you download any software and you have that pop-up come up that says, you know, check all these boxes to add all these toolbars, don't be the person that clicks accept and be like, you know, my father or my mom that's got 15 widgets, you know, below their uh, below their browser and they can't even see their browser. Don't be that person because that's what the mainstream media feeds off of. Or I don't even think we should call it mainstream media. The corporatist media or the the state-run media, that's what they feed on. They feed on the quick answers, the quick responses, the quick yeses, the quick noes. They don't want you to sit there and think. They don't want you to have any kind of 
you know, question about, well, that didn't sound really plausible, kind of like what happened with um, – with a you know with Assad that doesn't sound really feasible and the American cu- and the American cup or the American people called BS on it, so that's where we're here. But now, once again, since it's something completely different, since it's a disease and it's really scary, and I've seen Contagion and I've seen all these other you know bio scare movies, um, that kind of makes me think that you know maybe we should be a little bit more leery and maybe we should trust the government a little bit more. And I think that that's where we're we're kind of falling short. And and if it is mass incompetence, people, if this doesn't turn you into a damn libertarian, anarcho-capitalist, anarchist, I don't know what will. Because giving them millions and hundreds of millions of dollars, and them coming out and and botching from you know, once again from open to close the entire handling of this protocol or protocol breaches beyond belief. Then, then I can't help you. I mean, but to me, it's it's um, it's fishy at best what we're seeing here. And now, oh, now I forgot to tell you, Josh. Now the uh, the girl that was on the flight, she's cured now. She's completely cured. So she must have gotten the UV treatment or whatever they do now in order to in order to kill the disease. From what I understand, that uh, like or sunlight is the thing that kills this or uv light so anyway uh, i believe she actually uh received a transfusion as has nina fam uh sure. as as uh, but thomas eric duncan did not of course because those blood types supposedly it did not match uh so we have three out of four uh you know uh ebola stricken victims in america the nbc cameraman uh amber vincent and nina fam who have received a, a blood uh um or i guess it would be a, a plasma uh, mm-hmm. transfusion from uh, what was I, the doctor's name escapes me now um, of course his blood type has not been released none of their blood types have been released uh, global research did an excellent article on the statistical likelihood of uh, their plasma types uh, and the uh, RH factor antigens uh, matching up and they are so laughably uh, impossible uh, to the point of something like 0.002% um, that this is either a statistical miracle or um Something else entirely. It's interesting, Jake, that that you brought up the movie Contagion, uh, because Contagion has been playing uh, on cable networks uh, ever since this uh, this started. Uh, you know, on a number of occasions, and I, I sat down and watched it for the first time uh, a, a few nights ago, just just because it was on. Uh, certainly a scary movie, just like Outbreak was a scary movie when it came out in 1995. Also, a Defense Department funded. Uh, film. That's uh, who's going to fund this stuff, though. I mean, if you think about it, you know, who's going to fund? It's like you and I talked about. Why would the Defense Department, you know, fund Jurassic Park? It's like anything that's going to make you scared and keep you in that in that fear state. They're going to push it because that's yeah, well, what they want. Anyway, go the, ahead. Yeah, these are certainly massive predictive programming uh, uh, operations, but but Contagion is an interesting one specifically uh, because on August 5th of this year, uh, the Council on Foreign Relations uh, released a a, a talk entitled The Ebola Outbreak, in which uh, one of the participants was the Senior Fellow for Global Health. Uh, This woman's name is Lori Garrett, and in this talk, uh, Ms. Lori Garrett uh, reveals that she helped to co-author the script of Contagion with help from the Defense Department and the CIA. Uh, so Contagion was quite literally written by the Council on Foreign Relations. 
That makes me feel so much better. We can actually end the show, and I can go to sleep now. So as long as Z-Big and all the other CFR people have got this stuff under control, that's all that I care about. But what other, what better way to get people to accept um, – and and that kind of brings me to that article that we, um, we were talking about before, the article about um, uh, New York and New Jersey um, doing the mandatory quarantine and stuff like that. And Mayor Cuomo stating, and um, I'm probably going to – I actually don't have the article up, but I'm going to probably misquote it. But he said that um, he said that basically the doctor didn't even follow the right protocol. So now it's time for the states to step in, and I, I don't think it was apply pressure. It was like do what needs to – you know, it's – it's any kind of any kind of excuse to push you around, to show you that you're weak, and to show you that the that the state needs to exist is what they will do, and they will they will pull it at any any moment. You look at what happened in Boston. Now the Boston bombing is the I mean the biggest cluster you know what I've ever seen in my life with with the staging of you know. 50 60 people uh, on on the finish line and and everybody wearing backpacks it was very very odd like the whole situation was odd the the uh, the supposed the Sarnay of brothers the, living with CIA agent yeah, their CIA agent uncle yeah, yeah the, the C, I mean the CIA being warned from the freaking Russian intelligence about these guys and it's even in the, I mean come on there there's just so many things and eventually people eventually and I and I I'll tell Steve Pachenik, you know, I know that you're you're a great um, you're a great writer, and you're you know you've been in these all these different um, highly connected groups, but man, you get on there and you talk some status stuff on Alex Jones, and you always talk about it being governmental incompetence. You can't be this all the time. You can't be if if yeah. if you're this incompetent all the time, the state needs to be evaporated tomorrow which i mean i'd advocate for that but then again you have to give people a reason and for some reason it's kind of like a a learned helplessness or um what is it called when you fall in love with your abuser um uh, stockholm syndrome. stockholm syndrome yeah it's like that's what it is it's like stockholm syndrome with a state it's like well you guys keep effing up and you keep hurting a lot of people and you keep dragging us into wars but but this time it's going to be different, you know. You guys are going to really, you're going to really save the day this time, and that's why, like, Captain America and all these other movies are once again funded by the Defense Department because it's always the government's the good guys or the CDC or the UN, like in um, that uh, Brad Pitt movie with the with the zombies that just came out um, not too long ago, where the UN is the big savior. Yay! The UN saves everybody, and Brad Pitt works for the UN, and, and everything's great. So. Sorry to get on that little diatribe, but that kind of this stuff really pisses me off to an extent. It's funny you brought that up though, because angle uh, the the World War Z kind of angle in that the narrative to me largely that not only is the CDC incompetent, but that global organizations like the UN and the World Health Organization have uh, been ahead of this and have been calling these supposed developments right. uh, a- as they have unfolded, right? So, the again, the narrative seems to be your national uh, right. d- crisis response is not good enough. 
So you have to defer to, to transnational organizations maybe that's for the, what is, of course, a transnational crisis in Ebola. Maybe that's maybe that's the psyop. I mean, maybe uh, maybe I, I think the psyop has has a lot of a lot uh, of different, levels, different angles. Yeah. yeah. But once again, any time that these people have an opportunity to grab power, they're going to do it. They're going to leverage the crisis. They, this is this is spin control like I've never seen. It's like propaganda, like you said, one on one, Josh. It's like, look, the CDC can't handle it, but I tell you what, the UN people—they were way ahead of this stuff, and they knew it. They got the jump on this stuff. So eventually, and then, like you said, the predictive programming of oh, the UN is the one that saves the world in World War Z, and and that um, they have a um, they have a combo shot that they give you this other deadly virus as a shot, but it's supposed to kill the the zombie virus, but you're going to be infected with this deadly virus the rest of your life. So it's just total bizarre. I don't know why. I mean, I guess people enjoy the fantasy and the, um, the uh, suspended disbelief. Yeah. Well, but go to, ahead, man. To br- yeah. Just to bring up uh, really quickly, another defense department funded uh, uh, zombie contagion outbreak movie mm-hmm. uh, in I am legend, uh, which was funded by the defense department as revealed by Tom Secker over at spyculture.com. Uh, the movie, of course, opens with uh, the the cure for cancer being a vaccine oh, yeah. that is a g- genetically modified variant of the measles virus, I believe. I, yep. And, of course, uh, GlaxoSmithKline, one of the groups uh, working on this uh, vaccine for Ebola now, the Ebola Zaire strain, um, you know, which, of course, may, may or may not already be completed and has been completed for quite some time. I think you have to question uh, whether or not uh, some a virus that has been weaponized, uh, why there wouldn't be a vaccine ahead of time? Typically, typically there is. Um, but but if if you are to believe the narrative going on right now, GlaxoSmithKline's variant of the Ebola vaccine would also contain uh, a genetically modified live version of the rabies virus. Oh, that uh, that doesn't sound like zombies at all. <laughs> if you were going to make a zombie, they would have rabies. That's what. That's exactly what zombies would look like. It, it, well, if you mix it with uh, Ebola too, yeah. then they look like zombies. <laughs> yes, they do. They're bleeding out of their eyes. They got yeah. They're angry and frustrated and whatever. Yeah. Oh my God! How did we get down this trail? Oh yeah, I brought it up. That's right. So anyway, so now we're Good looking. Job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, leave it to me, right? So we got about ten minutes left in the show, guys. Uh, once again, thanks for thanks for listening to us. And um, as usual, the uh, the first show back is a little bit um, is a little bit different. Um, so the next show will be a little bit more formulated and a little bit more structured. But we're just kind of getting the casual talk out of the way here, so that we can dive into the real stuff later on. Um, not that this isn't um, this isn't interesting information, but um, hopefully we've gotten some people to think, man, because. That's what it's all about at the end of the day is that um, not buying into the narrative, whether it's mine, Josh's, the mainstream media, whomever. Like, Do the research for yourself. Figure it out for yourself. And what you'll find is you'll find um, a lot of the things like what's happened when I, um, when I talked to Freeway Ricky Ross. I had no idea what the CIA was doing. I had no idea that the CIA set him up basically and that the CIA was giving him all these drugs to sell to people. He just knew that he was getting, you know, getting drugs from this guy, and um, he didn't know that he was a CIA operative and that they were trying to set up a sting and that they were trying to launder money to the Contras and all this other stuff that happens at a totally different level. And, you know, not to bash Alex Jones at all, but, 
you know, we did do some Jones bashing, and um, you know, warrantly so, man, because some of the sometimes, sometimes your show is incredible. Sometimes your show makes me feel like I'm watching Sean Hannity. So, just gonna put you back in your. But um, anyway, he had Tosh Plumley on his show the other day, and it was very interesting to hear what Tosh Plumley was saying about all of these. Um, revelations that he's made about um about benghazi and about the missing missiles and stuff like that and uh and it was the biggest josh it was the biggest joke i've ever heard in my life i don't know if you've heard this clip yet where um they basically confront um uh john mccain they were talking about benghazi and they said well tosh plumley said that he was flying weapons for the cia over to benghazi and stored them at the facility that got raided, and then it was turned over to the Al Qaeda militants who are now part of the, are now part of ISIS or ISIL. And he said, "Well, yeah." And he also said that pigs fly, and that um, and that the sun sets in the east. So there you go. And it's it's <laughs> just the the complete um, what is it? Uh, it's like the discrediting, but it's like it's so blatantly. Childish. I can't even remember what that's called. I, I'm sorry. I'm struggling for uh, for the uh, for the grammar on this one. Yeah, it was a, it was a, a complete nutter ad hominem. Yeah. There we go. Thank you. Yeah. It, it was basically attacking his character without even having any substantial information or supporting his side of the argument with any kind of evidence. It was just an ad hominem attack. Oh yeah. Well, that guy also said that you know pigs fly and blah blah blah. Not so, not even a complicated fallacy like a no, baby fallacy. No, no, no. That was yeah. that was like seriously like third third grade stuff. So, yeah. but anyway, what do you think is on the on the horizon as we're as we're closing out the show here? What do you think is on the horizon for? And what do you think people should be looking for more importantly um, when they're when they're looking and digesting uh, media about Ebola or anything else? Uh, I think uh, first of all, I'd like to challenge anyone listening who has questions about this to do as I have done and attempt to. Uh, locate any picture uh, f- from 2014 uh, of individuals with symptomatic hemorrhagic fever, either Ebola or Marburg. And of course, the key characteristic would be uh, bleeding, uh, bloody lesions on arms, legs. Uh, typically, it-, it manifests itself in, in bleeding from the eyes first. Uh, so bloodshot eyes, if you can find a picture of that, um, please let us know, uh, because I-, I don't think you will be able to. Um, and, Sorry, Jake. Go ahead. Yeah, and also um, uh, as a as a um, as a caveat to that, make sure that when you're looking for these pictures, make sure that you right click and do expect element and find out where the picture originated from and where the original publication from is because they will have to cite it in the article. Because I saw one the other day that had an Ebola and it had a picture. And I right-clicked on it and did inspect element, and it was a picture back from 2008. So it was not a recent picture. It was, um, yes, it looked like somebody that had contracted Ebola, but it was not a recent picture. So go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to put that caveat That's a good on there. Point. The, when you do the research, that you make sure that it is from the right date just because it's in an article written on Tuesday doesn't mean that the picture is uh, from Tuesday. Go ahead. Yeah, the the press is almost universally uh, using old pictures uh, of of Ebola outbreaks, some as old as uh, nineteen from the nineteen eighties, uh, which is uh, kind of funny. Um, but people, I guess, just uh, need to do their due diligence on this one. 
certainly the imperial angle uh, with Chinese gold, Chinese diamond mines, De Beers diamond mines, uh, Russian Luke oil contracts. Watch the imperial angle as this uh, begins to unfold. Uh, be very wary uh, about, of course, uh, vaccination, uh, any forced vaccination attempt uh, that, that may be coming down the pike here. Uh, watch, watch this tracking angle. Uh, which uh, may start to manifest in that, you know, we're trying to determine where these people have been, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, there might be more, uh, more open uh, acceptance of, uh, of NSA surveillance or even something going as far as to, as to mandate some sort of uh, uh, national tracking system uh, for, of course, the, the safety and security uh, of Americans from from a disease like Ebola, I think that those are those are really the 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 three big angles, and of course uh, uh, deferment to to globalist institutions in dealing with transnational crises. But the biggest thing is to do your own due diligence, Jake. For example, uh, you know when we first uh, began talking about this a couple of weeks ago, um, and to the alternative media's credit, some of the alternative media's credit. Uh, they've begun talking about, you know, these these uh, resource plays going on in West Africa. But those were things that we dug up on our own. Uh, no one else had been talking about them mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we had just sourced these things from from, you know, mining websites, news websites, etc. Um, so people just uh, kind of during complicated psyops like this, it's best to take a step back. Cut out your middleman, even if it's a middleman you trust or would trusted before uh, in the alternative media. Um, you know, click through the links in the article, read the articles, do some searching of your own, and uh, and try to formulate an individual opinion. Uh, Jake, if you don't mind, I'd like to just give out a, a few websites that are kind of covering this from from a contrarian angle. Um, Truthsector.net is one very good one run by, uh, I believe, a Belgian expat now living in, in Singapore, uh, uh, or maybe the, perhaps the Philippines. But he's done a, an excellent job covering, uh, covering uh, the, the Ebola angle. Um, globalresearch.ca uh, is, uh, is covering this from both, from both sides, so you can you know, kind of objectively make up, make up your mind f- for yourself. And, and, of course, John Rappaport, J-O-N, uh, rapaport.wordpress.com his personal blog has been covering uh some of the more more insidious angles uh, in terms of vaccination and how to inflate case numbers uh for uh for diseases and, and how how the reporting of that of that works uh of of course uh you know we're looking at a region in West Africa where 600,000 people die of malaria Every year. Oh yeah. And no, don't worry sim- about that. Mm-mm. Yeah, and symptomatically, uh, with the exception of the late stages, which we have no photographic evidence of because we don't have real media in this country, um, are virtually identical to Ebola. So it'd be very easy to go into a, a, an area that's already ravaged by uh, by toxic chemicals, malnutrition, and disease, and to categorize uh, what is normal death there uh, into some sort of pandemic. So the, those three websites, I, I think, are, are, are very good ones. Uh, and from there, hopefully people will be able to, to find some more. Yeah, absolutely. And um, as always, I appreciate you coming on. And thanks for listening, everybody. That is going to do it for our time today. And, um, you know, just as a just as a side note, um, when we're when we're looking at um, alternative views and alternative uh, theories, Make sure that um, when you engage people on the street that are um, typically not as open-minded as you, that uh, that you get them to ask questions. More importantly, you ask them the questions. 
Ask them the questions and to prove their own um, idea. And if they get upset with you or angry with you, just move on because those are the people that you won't be able to save. They are already uh, too entrenched, too much in love with their abuser that they won't um, they won't break with the idea that they could be being lied to because that would mean that um, – and I think that this is an ego thing for some people – is that uh, if I was being lied to, I would know it. Yes, but you are being lied to by a very high-tech – High, um, let's see, highly sophisticated um, propaganda machine, number one. And uh, on top of that, you have several thousand hours of conditioning to program you to willfully accept and unwill and, um, un- excuse me, unequivocally not question the to you by state run powers or authorities in general. So. Always keep that in the back of your mind that we're conditioned to accept authority for being the the master of all information, the master of our domain, and at the end of the day, people, it is up to you, like Josh said, you to formulate your own opinion, you to go out and find the facts for yourself, and you to have your own sense of what reality should be. And then there, that's where we start the conversation and the dialogue, much like we had here on the show today. So thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, get a friend, get informed, and get involved. Um, take a look at the show next week. We're going to do it um, once a week now. Uh, I'm going to air the shows on Sunday. Some days it'll be live. Some days it'll be taped to air like this one. But uh, we'll throw them up on Sundays at 11 o'clock in the a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So look for those once a week shows. If I got time, we'll do them twice a week. Once everything starts to get back to some semblance of normalcy, as always, thank you to Josh Wiley of One Step Beyond Me for coming on. Check out our work, our collection of um, podcasts about uh, the history of the Nazis. It's very fascinating, and we do have to tie up um, one more episode for that, and we will be good to go. But um, remember, people, it is your world. Go out there and and capture it. And remember, take in all the information. Don't discredit anything without actually looking at the facts and taking the facts and making them be the foundation of your ideology because that's the only way that we're going to actually ascend from this absolutely, um, once again, artificial habitat that has been created for us to move around in as we let the others that have or can see, quote-unquote, take all of our resources and use our energy or our money, quote-unquote money, to, um, to their gain and not ours. So thanks for listening, everybody. Tune in next week, and um, take care. Peace, love, and liberty. Oh, you deserve your freedom.